Hey, thank you for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can go to our website, renewalchicago.com. I pray that this podcast today is a blessing and encouragement to your soul. Well, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Matthew chapter 6 this morning, verses 25 through 34. God is good, amen? We're going to try this again because I got y'all last week. God is good? All the time. God is good? Hey, all the time God is good. Y'all was like, God is good? Yeah, God is good. I'm like, man, there's a lot of new people here. Y'all don't know. God is good, amen. Matthew chapter 6. Verses 25 through 34. If you got it, why don't you stand on your feet with me as we read the word of God this morning. If you got it, go ahead and say got it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. The text reads, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than them? And which of you, by being anxious, I love this, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Uh, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Remember that. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek, if you have a pen, underline seek. They seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is his own trouble. Very words of God, amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, the promise that alleviates worry. Y'all can stay standing, see, I saw just a lot of new people right now. The promise that alleviates worry. It's all right, I'm glad y'all here. It's awesome, this is, God's doing the work. Can y'all say that with me? Because I know you didn't hear me. The promise that alleviates worry. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You're an awesome God. You're good, even when we're not good to ourselves. God, I thank you that that you looked low. You didn't stay in heaven, but you sent your son and said, hey, live their life, live for them. And he died the death that we were supposed to die. Gave it up for us, God. And that's why we're here today. So Lord, I pray that as I preach this morning, you would hide me behind the cross so that you may be heard, that you would decrease me so that you can increase. Father, have your way in this place. You're a good God. We look to you. 
And we want to hear from you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all pray these things together. Everyone said together. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. Friends, let me ask you a question, and I want y'all to be honest with me, okay? Y'all ready to be honest? How many of y'all worry warts? Boy, y'all really were honest. Way to go. Do you know any worry warts besides yourself? You know some worry warts, right? Some of y'all are like, what is a worry wart? Here's, here's the definition of a worry wart, okay? A worry wart, it says, is a person who tends to dwell unduly on difficulty or troubles. Now, the funny thing about this word worry wart is it came from people not wanting to touch toads because they had little bumps on their back and they thought that it was going to cause some kind of poison and they're going to get sick and stuff. That ain't even a wart on the toad's back. Where do you get worry wart? Sorry, I just had to give y'all that. But does that describe any of us? We just always pessimistic, thinking the worst that's going to happen. We're always worried about everything. Does that describe you? Y'all told me, you told me you're going to be honest. Does that describe you? Yeah, yeah, we just, we live in a culture where we're always worried, we're always anxious about everything. I mean, let's be honest, we are. I mean, how many of y'all have been worried this week? Something was worrying you. How many of you have been anxious about something this week? Right, we all have been there this week, right? Something has been bothering us, and we deal with it differently. Some of us worry and we go into a little shell. Some of us like, I'm gonna control the world, like pinky in the brain, I'm gonna take over it all. Y'all don't even know, that's a 90s reference. (laughs) And we have all heard of the remedies. We've all heard of the quotes and the different things about getting rid of worry and anxieties, things like, it's useless. Worrying is not going to get you anywhere. Just step out and do something. Girl, just breathe. It ain't that bad. Stop worrying. Live your life. Don't worry about anything. We've all heard all these quotes, these different remedies of how you get over worry, but here's the problem with it. None of those quotes and none of those remedies actually solve our worry or our anxiety, right? They just keep coming back over and over and over again. You get over it and then you're worried the next day or you're anxious about something. So what does Jesus do in this passage? He explores worry and he explores anxiety and then he gives us the true remedy to it. He not only lets us know in this passage that worrying is useless, but then he gives us the solution. He says it's not in our hands. It's not in what we do. So today I want you to ponder, I want you to ponder this question. What am I worried about? What am I worried about? What what gives me anxiety? Think about that. Then I want you to ask, can I or have I truly surrendered it to God? Better yet, let me put it this way, because the natural response to worry is what? What, Can you guess it already said it? It's control. So the better question is, have I surrendered my control to God? Have I given him the reins of my life? Have I believed or had faith that God knows better than me, that he's sovereign and he can take care of me? Have I given him control? 
That's what I want you to ponder this morning. What makes you worried? Where's your anxiety? Where, where, where is it resting? Where, where, what is that thing that's messing with your heart this morning? And then I want you to ask truly. I want you to ponder, have I really given that up to God? Have I laid it down and said, I cannot solve it. I cannot take care of it. Here you go, God. Jesus opens our passage with this word, therefore. You see it? He says, therefore, which is an indication that what he's about to say is going to carry over from the preceding verses from what we talked about last week. Hear me, this word, therefore, is very significant in this passage, but what happens most of the time is that we overlook it and we get straight to talking about, don't worry, girl, just have some faith. Don't worry, just have some faith. And see, what happens when we just overlook this word, therefore, and we don't look at the context of the passage, we make having faith or just, we, we make it about doing something. We make it about just getting over it in your own strength. And see, we miss what Jesus is actually getting at, or we actually get to the point where we start feeling bad when we read this passage because we start looking at the birds of the air and we're like, oh my gosh, they ain't worried about nothing. The lilies of the field, they ain't worried about nothing. Why am I worried? I shouldn't be worried about anything. So we make ourselves feel bad. And we miss what he's getting at. When in reality, if you're not focused on the right things, don't miss this. If you're not focused on the right things, as we talked about heaven last week, then worry is the natural outcome. It's the natural outcome because everything in this world is fleeting. It's not truly going to satisfy. Even if you get everything you want, you're going to want more. So Jesus in this passage, he's following up that question we asked last week of who or whom are you devoted to? Where, where do your loyalties lie? Is it God or is it in the treasures of this world? Because as I stated last week, if you missed it, everything of value we gain on this earth can be lost. Everything of value that we gain on this earth will be no more one day. Money can be stolen, your car can rust out. Thieves can steal from you, style goes in and out, or it just changes on you. You know you got the new shoes, and then the next week there's something else. That woman or man that you married, the one that you married with the fine track body, you know, like, oh man, she was bad. And then the dude had the muscles like Hercules. Yo, I told you last week, all of that goes away. Things start looking wrinkly, and dude has a gut now. It's truth, it all fades. And then I said that, 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 that here's the reality, even if none of that touched you, you can't take nothing to heaven. Ain't no U-Hauls going to heaven. Everything we have on this earth one day will be no more or we can lose it. So when we look at this passage, we got to have the right focus. We have to have, look at our loyalty and, and what, see where does it lie? Because if it's in God, that solves our worry. But the problem is that our focus shifts all the time. It shifts all the time and worry anxiety, worry and anxiety is always seeming to be knocking at the front door. It's always there every time you get over it, it's knocking at the front door. So what Jesus is communicating is that in order to have the right focus, one has to have faith. One has to have faith. Hear me, true faith and worry, they, they don't mix. They don't go together. Now, this doesn't mean, though, that if you worry, you don't have faith. That's not what I'm saying. But in that moment when you're worrying, you're simply lacking faith. 
We all, we'll look at this more as we go on today, so don't, don't miss that. Don't, don't forget that. But as we go on, I, I want you to remember this as we start looking at this passage. See, it depends on which master we choose to serve, whether that's God or what we can have or achieve on this earth, because that directly affects our attitude towards how we walk, our worry and our anxiety. Follow me with this. Don't miss this. If we trust God who is unchangeable and the creator of all things, then our outlook on life is anxiety and worry free. But if we trust in the world, ourselves or things that are fleeting, then anxiety and worry mounts up all the time because the world and everything in it, all that we can gain in this world is fleeting. We're always gonna need more. Doesn't truly satisfy. Now follow me with this. So, so again, if we choose, if we've chosen God, we've rejected the other. So, so there's no need to be anxious, but it all depends on who you're truly serving. It all depends on where your loyalty truly lies. Because again, vice versa, if you serve what you can have, what you want to achieve in this life, then you're always going to operate from a place of worry, always going to operate from a place of anxiety. So hear me, Jesus says in this passage, if you trust me, you trust God, you seek the kingdom of God first, God will take care of the rest of your life, which makes worry unnecessary. But yet worry still occurs, doesn't it? You got faith, you're like, I, I believe in Jesus, I believe in him, but you're still worrying, right? That's why it occurs in this passage six different times, because that's the main word he's getting at here in this passage. Friends, Jesus knew that even when we have faith, we would struggle with worry because the cares of this world are always screaming at us. I need more of this. I need more of that. I need some peace. I need a bigger house. I need a family. I need a spouse. I need comfort, etc. You fill in the blanks. And if we're at that place and we have faith, you know what happens to our faith? It begins to waver. It begins to waver. It's not steady. So Jesus proceeds to break it down. Jesus begins by saying, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So again, he's referencing the, past, the previous passage from last week on where's your treasure at and which master are you serving? Basically saying life is more than what meets the eye. Eternity awaits. Don't miss the forest for the trees. He further breaks this down. He says, look at the birds in the air. They do not sow nor reap nor store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Family, first he focuses on the need for food and he, he talks about birds. Have you ever sat down and just paid attention to birds flying around? I mean, you got your binoculars out, maybe some of y'all are actually some bird watchers and you watch some birds and you, you just paid attention to them. It, it amazes me because birds, I feel like they never get tired. They can fly around all the time, and, and they're, just, they're just, for hours, they can do this. All the time. I mean, it amazes me. And here's the point. Birds, in their wild state, provide the perfect example because they are tirelessly industrious, which means they work hard. But see, that's where this becomes problematic to us, especially in Chicago. 
We know how to work hard, right? We, we get the whole part about working hard. We understand, okay, we should work hard, but we stop right there. So, so hear me, Jesus in this passage, he's not discouraging you to work hard. He's not saying don't work hard and, and provide for your needs. You need to do that, but here it is. I, I promise I'm coming to your driveway right now. Don't miss this. Here's the difference. Despite their, their constant efforts, birds remain far more dependent on the whims of nature, or should I say God's provision. So although birds work very hard, they're still dependent on the rain. They're still dependent on the soil. They're still dependent on the sun. They're still dependent on folks to put the grain out for them to eat it. They're still dependent on the plants to grow. Don't miss what I'm saying here, family. Don't miss that they're still dependent on everything else working together. See, here's the difference. They don't reap or sow or gather food into barns. They, they're dependent on someone else, God. They don't let their hard work, don't miss this, they don't let their hard work get in the way of their trust. Family, they simply remain dependent on their maker while at the same time working hard. But that's where we struggle. We're honest, right? That's where we struggle. See, the reason our anxiety is through the roof, roof the reason it's, it's off the charts is because we tend to rely on our skill. We tend to rely on our hard work rather than God himself. And God's like, I'm right here, y'all. I'm, I'm right here. I'm here for you. I got you. But instead of relying on God, we're like, God, I worked hard today. I did this. I made that money. I can buy my groceries by myself. I can build my house and I can do all the things I want to do. I got this. I can do it, God. My wife was telling me about, y'all know The Rock, right? Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. He had this interview the other day, and they're talking about how he got to where he is. And the whole time, he's like, I did it. I got this. I did this. I did this. I'm the way. I'm the reason I'm a wrestler. I'm the reason I did this. I got here. And I'm like, man, no. And see, see here's the reality, family. In actuality, we really actually should be thanking God that we have the ability to achieve the means to provide. Because when we're saying, I got this, I did this, we take, we, we're taking all of the common grace of God, of living each day, the common grace. I'm not talking about salvific, salvific grace. We're talking about common grace, the fact that we actually get to get up in the morning, whether you believe or not, the common grace of God, we take that for granted. And then something bad happens, and then what do we do? God, I can't believe you did this to me. I can't believe you let me fail. I've been working hard. I've been trusting you. And here in reality, we haven't been trusting God at all. We just thank God when it was good, but when it's bad, we shamed him. We're like, I can't believe you did this. And God's saying, just have faith. When are you going to trust me? Hear me. We, we who have so much more opportunity to use creation for our own ends ought to be able to worry less than birds. I mean, look at this text. Jesus is saying, aren't you more valuable than them? We're talking about birds. Quack, quack. Quack, quack, quack. I mean, we're talking about birds. He says we're more valuable in God's eyes. And the reason he says that is because we're the only ones. Humans are the only ones made in the image of God. 
Hear me, somebody needs to hear this. No matter who you are, where you come from, God has made you in his image. And I'm not, I'm not talking about what you're doing right now. Maybe you're doing stuff you know you shouldn't be doing, your sin or your activities. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about, what Jesus is trying to get at is that God spent time making you in his image. He spent time on you. He knows every hair on your head. That God who hung the moon and the stars in the sky took time to create us. And then in Genesis 1, it says that he gave us dominion over all the animals in the field, the beasts of the field. You know what dominion means? That doesn't mean dominate. We get this totally wrong. It doesn't mean you dominate. Dominion actually means to subdue. It means to make it flourish. So for a Christian that knows God, when you walk into a place, when you're at your job, when you're at your home in your community, it should be a better place and it should be flourishing because you're there because God has given you dominion. He's given you dominion. But some of y'all still miss that. So, so if you read the Psalm 8, Psalm 8, I love Psalm 8. It's, it's where David is marveling at the amazing creation of God, but he's also awestruck that God would spend time making him. So maybe this will bring it home to you. Look at these words with me where David's it's, it's, he's singing praise to God. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, and out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes, to steal the enemy and the avenger. He's talking about how great God is, how amazing he is. Then he keeps going. He says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for, he's like, why would you care for me when you have all this power, when you're God, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and you've crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the work of your hands. You, you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. See those words? You see, what Jesus in our passage and David in Psalm 8 are trying to get across to us is that believing in God is to believe in the creator of the universe who holds all things together. So to believe in him and to worry doesn't make sense. They don't go together. And Jesus further explores that, and he says in verse 27, he says, not only does faith and worry not work, but worry doesn't accomplish anything anyway. It doesn't add to your life. It doesn't give you more life, not an hour longer in the day. As a matter of fact, I was reading, doing some research, and I was looking online, and I was trying to explore what is, how does, how does worry add to our life? What does it do? And it actually, worry attributes to death. And, and I'm looking at this, and I'm researching, I'm reading this article, and it says that that, that some, some found that people frayed by even the slightest distress, meaning they sometimes stay awake at night worrying or had trouble concentrating on tasks. Hear this. It showed that they're 20% more likely to die over a 10-year period of time than someone who didn't suffer, suffer from the same symptoms. Y'all hear me? Anxiety, I, I think it's safe to say anxiety and worry doesn't help. It hurts. But y'all knew that, right? Y'all knew that, right? But see, here's the reality. I don't, I don't think we really understand how much it plagues us, how it bothers us. So Jesus keeps going in the text. He keeps exploring this. He says, why are you worried about your clothing? 
Look at the lilies of the field, how beautiful they are. They're not worried about anything. And y'all, this, this messed me up. He said they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. If God so clothes the fields with these beautiful flowers that will die or be used for fuel in the oven, which is what they use them for, how much more will he care for us? Think about that. How much more will he care for his creation created in his image? Then he says the words we cannot miss. Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. We see that? You see that? We can't miss this part because this is the drum that Jesus has been beating throughout this passage. See, this passage is not about you having food and comfort and clothing and all of that. He's trying to get at the fact that, that we are operating from a place of anxiety, seeking these things, trying to find fulfillment from this place of anxiety. He's like, that doesn't work. You have to operate from a place of faith. Because here's the thing, I know as I've been preaching today, as I've been looking at this, some of y'all are sitting there saying, well, I hear you, Pastor D, but I mean, it's, it's way harder than just saying stop worrying. It's not that simple. And that's true. That's not what I'm trying to get at. And that's not what really Jesus is saying. He's saying the only thing that really expels worry, that gets rid of anxiety, is faith. And that's not just any faith. That's faith in an almighty God. Because here's the truth. People, all of us, We're seekers. We're seeking after something to believe in. We want to go hard after something. We want a place where we can leave it all on the floor, so to say, and say, I did all I could do. You know why? Because we're all created with what's called ambition. Ambition. This is what Jesus is talking about in the text when he talks about the Gentiles and he mentions the Gentiles having the wrong ambition. He says they're the ones that seek after food, after clothing. They're they're the ones worried about this. So hear me. Jesus is not saying don't have ambition. It's not a bad thing to be a Christian with ambition. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying don't have a go-getter attitude. No, no. The question is where does your ambition lead you? Where does your ambition lie? Hear me, we all have ambition. Nobody sets out in this life initially to just wander through life aimlessly. Notice I said initially, because some of us here today are wandering aimlessly through this life. Where do I go next? What am I supposed to do, God? I don't know what to do. And we're sitting there and we're wondering like, I don't know. And here's the reality, we didn't start out that way. No, no, we're created in the image of God. That means we're created in the image of an almighty, big, and powerful God who had and still has plans, created you and created me and this earth. Ambition. Someone needs to hear that. God did not create you to wander through this life aimlessly. No, he has a plan for your life. But the way to figure out that plan is to take that ambition and stop running around in all the other things and run towards God. 
Spend time with him. Spend time in his word, figuring out what he says about you, what he believes about you, what he wants for your life. Spend time there. You see, you're probably wandering around aimlessly, We're probably, or, or you have everything you want, but you still want more, so therefore you're dissatisfied. You know why? Because you've misplaced your ambition. You've misplaced it. So hear me, we all start out with ambition. Maybe you're not following me. Many philosophers say it this way. They say that we all seek the supreme good. We're all seeking out the supreme good to which we can devote our lives to. We can give our lives away to. We all want to give our lives to something. We all want to serve something. As I said last week, the question is to whom or who are you serving? See, ambition concerns a person's life goals. It's what makes them tick. It's what makes them go. It's what makes a person motivated. It's where a person's actions originate. So in this passage, Jesus is not saying don't have ambition. He's just questioning what is preoccupying your ambition. Then he's saying, look, 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 don't be preoccupied by your own, your own security, your, your own food, your clothing, all these other things around you. No, 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 no. He's not saying that. He's not saying, he's saying, don't be preoccupied with that. He's questioning what you're preoccupied with. See, he's saying the Gentiles are preoccupied with that, the people that don't believe in me, but not the believers. Hear me, it's okay for Christians to have stuff. It's okay for us to have earthly treasures, but your ambition should not be towards getting more of that, but instead it needs to be to running towards God, seeking after him. See, Christians must plan for the future. You must think about what's next. You you must work hard. That's okay. But in that, there's no need to be anxious. Again, where's your treasure at? Where's your devotion? Where does your faith lie? See, this is why Jesus in the passage says, your ambition should be to seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But I know there's someone in here saying, well, Pastor D, I get what you're saying. And I've been, I've been seeking after God. I put him first in my life. But, but my worry's not gone. In fact, it seems like my life is not getting better. It's actually getting worse. What's going on? And see, this is where we misinterpret the passage. Because the key word here that Jesus says is that all these things will be added to you. Which means future. Will. So, so hear me, that doesn't mean that all these things hap- will happen in this life where everything around you and in your life you're going to prosper. I'm about to mess somebody up right now. It doesn't mean that you're going to prosper and have everything you want in this life. That may happen for somebody or some people, but not all. And this is a sermon for another day, but this is why we have to be careful at looking at other people and saying they, they're blessed way more than me. God loves them way more than me. I must be doing something wrong in my life because they got all of this in a bag of chips. I don't have any chips. I ain't got nothing. <laughs> I mean, we have to be very careful with, with, with defining being blessed by what we have. 
Well, we can get in this world. Look, look, I ain't a rich man by any means, but I am super blessed. I made it out of the hood when I shouldn't have made it out. I'm married. I have five kids and a wife that loves me. I got a degree from college and a master's degree and a church that loves me. I hope y'all love me. And I could have more, yes. I could have more. But it's enough. And here's the reality. As I said last week, the declaration of the Christian heart has to be, if I don't gain anything more or if I lose everything else, Jesus is enough. Simply being saved, knowing that Jesus died on the cross for me is enough. That's what makes me blessed. Because family, here's the sobering truth. Many Christians throughout history, and even today, they have not prospered. When I'm talking about prosper, I'm talking about having things, having material wealth and all these things. Many Christians have not prospered. In fact, they've suffered the opposite. Starvation, poverty, deprivation, death by martyring, giving their lives up for their belief. Hear me, so, so I'm not going to tell you right now that you're going to be a basket of rubble and you're not going to have anything good in this life. That's not what I'm going to do. But I'm also not going to tell you that by you believing God and, and Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to be prosperous. You're going to have a lot of money. You're going to have all this in this life. That ain't the Bible. That's not Jesus. That's not what he's saying in this text. In fact, that's, that's really not what he's saying. The key word will in this passage lets us know that God's, he's promising this, but it will not fully come to pass until heaven. Now, I know someone's head went to this place. Well, what am I supposed to do now then? I mean, what do I do in this life? I need to know what to do now, Pastor D. How do I get through all of this stuff in my life? Well, let me reiterate what I said at the beginning. This is why reading this whole passage in its context is so important. You're starting at verse 19. If you read verse 19 to verse 34, you'll see and understand why he says, don't store up your treasures on this earth, but in heaven. See, we as humans, what we commonly do is we think that this life Everything in it, everything we do on this earth, that's all we have. So when things don't go the way we want, we're sad, we're anxious, we're worrying about everything, we're frustrated. But when things are great, we're like, yay, everything's amazing. God loves me. And either way, whether it's great or it's not great, we're living just this life. And this life is just a fleeting split second of eternity, which in itself if you slow down and think about that truth, it's kind of aimed. It, it causes worry, right? I mean, you, you think about the fact that, that, that everything in this world, I mean, this is just a fleeting second. If your faith is not where it's supposed to be, that, 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 that's, that causes anxiety. There's a reason why Tom Brady, NFL quarterback, can say, I've won three different championships and Super Bowls at the beginning of his career, got a $60 million contract, married to a supermodel, Giselle Butchin, and he's like, but there's got to be more to life than this. There's a reason why people that are super wealthy are some of the most depressed and lonely people on this earth. Because even with what they have, they still want more. They still have to go after more. You know why? 
because we were made for more. We're all made in the image of God, as I told you earlier, which means that there, 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 there's this, shape, this hole in our heart. There's this, this God-shaped hole in our heart that only can be filled by God. He's the only one that can truly satisfy our hearts. He's the only one that can truly fulfill us. He's the only one that can give us the joy that we're seeking after, the happiness that we're seeking after, because God is eternal. He's eternal, and if he created us in his image, in his image, in his likeness, that means that there's something in us that's always going to yearn for eternity, which means that this world cannot satisfy your yearning. It can only be satisfied by God. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. But that's where faith comes in. Because the problem is, as Jesus says, we lack faith. And faith is simply believing God and his word and his promises despite what may be happening to you or around you. It's believing in God's word and his promise. But see, we struggle believing in God's word. We struggle believing his promises because we get wrapped up in this world screaming at us. I need more. It's like an annoying chihuahua biting at your heels. Some of y'all got chihuahuas, I'm sorry. But it's, it, I mean, it's, it's like that dog. I love dogs too. I know we in Chicago, you gotta talk about that. But, but see, the, the reality, it's kind of like being annoyed by that little dog. It's like, it's, it's just biting at you. The world is screaming, you need more. You gotta get this, you gotta do that over and over again. So it's hard to believe by faith. God just saying, I'm gonna get all this in time. All of this is gonna happen when I get to heaven. It causes anxiety. Hear me, family. We weren't made to solve our, our own problems. All of our problems is not up to you. We weren't made to be the source of our own fulfillment. And what Jesus is saying is that if we just have faith and believe that seeking first the kingdom of God, we believe that all these things will be added to you, then worry, then our anxiety will cease. Henry, that's the promise we have to remember that will keep us walking day by day, flourishing despite what's happening around us, what's happening to us. It's that promise, family, that keeps us going when life simply gets hard. It's that promise that keeps us going when our marriage gets a little sour. It's that promise that keeps us going, family, when you're worried about everything in your life, when that friend turns their back on you. It's that promise that keeps us going. Family, hear me. Those are the words that keeps us going because there will be more trouble tomorrow, as verse 34 says. But if we seek first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the text tells us that all these things will be added to us, which means that you can meet life with a big old smile regardless of what's happening because you know that heaven awaits you. See, the Christian has to keep their eyes on Jesus first and have faith in his words. But some of y'all still missing this, so I don't want you to miss this, so let me end with this. I remember when I was, I was young and I received my first $100 bill. Anybody remember getting their first $100 bill? No, some of y'all still waiting. <laughs> some of y'all still waiting on that $100, right? Pastor, I don't carry cash. Y'all, y'all remember $100 bill? I'm not talking about the big face cash. I'm talking about the little face $100 bill. I, I remember getting my 
first $100 bill. It was shortly after my parents got a divorce and my father, he'd be checking in on us and he's making sure, especially myself and my younger sister Amber, that we were, we're working hard in school. So he said to us, he said, look, if you work hard and you make straight A's, I promise I will give you a $100 bill. And I'm like, what? A $100 bill? Now y'all gotta understand, I was in third grade. $100 is a lot of money for a third grader now. Ramiah gets excited over a dollar. Come on now. <laughs> he said, you can have $100 if you do well in school. That was a lot of money. I mean, back in the early 90s, it cost $5 to get your hair cut. Now it costs $40. <laughs> That's $35 plus a tip. And when I sit back in my home and I'm like, man, I need to get my hair cut, I start thinking about it and I start praising God. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, I'm bald. <laughs> I mean, for real. I wish I would pay somebody $40. I'm sorry if you're a barber. That, there's no way. <laughs> but my father, he, he promised this $100 to me. So I, I trusted those words. I held on to his promise and I worked my butt off. So when the test was coming up, you better believe I was studying hard. When I wanted to go outside and play basketball, I loved playing basketball. Instead of going to play basketball, I said, I need to get my homework done because I remembered his promise. When it got hard in school and I just wanted to give up, I started to remember that promise and I worked harder, y'all. And don't you know that by the end of the semester, by the end of the year, I got straight A's. And here's the better part, I got my $100 bill. <laughs> but it was all because I held on to my father's promise. And here's the part you cannot miss. I held on to the promise without the $100 in my hand. See friends, hear, hear me. As we end, troubles will always come. There will always be ups and downs throughout our lives, but God has always been the same God since the beginning of time. And that same God that hung the stars and the moon in place and created you and me is saying in this text, don't worry, don't get anxious, just seek my kingdom first. Have faith in me and all these things will be added to you. Hear me, family. Remember, have faith in God's promise, and you'll be able to walk in freedom in this life, freedom from worry, freedom from anxiety, regardless of what's happening to you or around you, because you know the promise that awaits you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're a good and awesome God. We give you all the glory and all the honor. And we do admit, God, that at times we are worry warts in our lives. Everything around us is causing anxiety. Everything around us is messing with our hearts. And we don't know what to do sometimes. But your text, the Bible tells us to have faith. It tells us to believe in you. It tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. And God, my prayer, my personal prayer, as well as the church here, God, is that we would run fast after you. 
that our ambition would be to you and to you only. And through that, God, you'll lead our lives. Lord, I pray that we'll trust you, not seeing the outcome, but take joy in that knowing that you're a God that hung everything in the sky, that created us, every little stitch of us. And in that, God, we'll believe that you can take care of us. God, I pray for that person that's worrying right now, that's anxious about their life, that they just lay it down and say, God, here I am. I surrender it all to you. I surrender control. I give everything to you. And in that, Lord, the peace of God will surround their hearts, as your word says in Philippians 4, that you'll cover us and keep us. God, we trust you. We believe in you. We love you. We give all these things. We submit all these requests to you. And it's the mighty name of Jesus that we all said together, amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. I pray again that it was a blessing and encouragement to your soul. And I hope to see you at one of our services at 10 a.m. Take care. God bless you.